Jolene, 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 Jolene. Please don't take them just because you can. Your beauty is beyond compare with flaming locks of auburn hair and ivory skin and eyes of emerald green. It's like a breath of spring, your voice is soft like summer rain, and I can, I can eat with you, Jolene. Sleep, there's nothing I can do to keep from crying, but he calls the name Jolene. They understand how you can easily take my man, but you don't know what he means to me, Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene Begging of you, please don't take my man Jolene, Jolene, Jolene Please don't take him just because you can Oh, sorry about that. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Newly Made Podcast. I'm your host, the Keefmeister, back at it. Or you could say in old-fashioned terms, the crack addict's back at it. <laughs> I remember, uh... Well, before I continue, I hope everyone's having a really good day. And more importantly, I hope everybody's in a good mood, you know. I know there's going to be some people that uh, aren't going to be too happy about some things, and there's some people who are, and then there's some people who aren't, and it's just, it is what it is. But more importantly, though, I'm just hoping that, you know, everyone has found comfort in their day. But yeah, so I figured, you know, I just decided, screw it, and... Listen to some Dolly Parton and uh, had some Jolene playing. <laughs> I know, I think I kind of ruined the song a little bit with my terrible voice, but that's okay. It's all for entertainment. Entertainment, entertainment. <laughs> so this episode I decided to be, yet again, another nerd slash geek slash whatever. Because uh, it's pretty interesting. I was um, actually just recently watching again one of my uh, favorite movies ever. Because like I'm into really old movies too, right? Like I remember the original Scarface from the 1930s. That one was uh, really good. Apocalypse Now. That one is super good. The Godfather. That's another masterpiece with Marlon Brando and Al Pacino and all those guys. And then, of course, the, the Scarface remake with Pacino, Rambo, Rocky, you know, Terminator. Like, I'm just really, I'm just into, like, old. The 80s was a was a really interesting decade for, like, sci-fi flicks, I find. No, because, like, you had all kinds, like, and then same with slashers, too. There's just something about the 80s that just... It just steamrolled over things. Like, I wish I could go back in time just for one day, you know what I mean? Just to kind of see what the culture was like, you know? But yeah, I remember, um, what really got me into sci-fi movies, though? Um... Super long time ago, I remember there was this movie I watched called uh, The Fly. Yeah, that's what it is, The Fly. Uh, it's a it's a it's a David Cronenberg remake. And anyone who doesn't know David Cronenberg is hands down one of my uh, favorite directors ever, behind uh, Stanley Kubrick and uh, James Cameron. Alfred Hitchcock. And of course, you gotta add Steven Spielberg in there too. Mr. Blockbuster himself. (laughs) 
But no, out of all of them, though, Stanley Kubrick and James Cameron are like my absolute, absolute favorite directors, though. Same with Christopher Nolan. I gotta give Christopher Nolan a shout-out, because he's made really good fucking movies, too. But, anyway, but yeah, back, so like... The movie's been out since 1986, so I am gonna put a spoiler... Spoiler alert. So if anyone doesn't want it spoiled skip like 10 minutes into the episode skip 20 you know just to be safe skip like 20 to 30 minutes into the episode or like even if uh if you don't want to i i'll uh i'll put something on the description before i uh upload the the episode so everyone knows which to skip to as well, if you don't want any spoilers. But anyway, so like I said, the movie's been out since 1986. You know, there's spoiler alert. You know, it's uh, it's starting now. So, basically, the 1986 Cronenberg remake, The Fly, was a remake based off of the original 1958 or... Was it 1958 or 1959? I'm pretty sure it was 1958. Right, it was based off of a 1958... Um, sci-fi movie as well you know about a man who invents a a transporting device a teleporter right and then he ends up uh, going through and he gets his arm and his head swapped with that of a fly due to uh, an experiment gone horrifically wrong right and then um, so the 1986 Cronenberg remake kind of puts a more uh serious and it's uh it's a little more in depth and it's kind of a a sci-fi thriller drama if you really think about it you know and it's got really good actors in it too Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis it was actually I think uh one of Jeff Goldblum's breakout roles cuz he actually got uh and the movie was also nominated for uh, the movie was also uh, won an Academy Award for um, I think best um, visual effects or best makeup. I think it it was either visual effects or makeup. I'm pretty sure it was visual effects, but I'm pro I could be wrong. But nevertheless, it was just a good movie all around. And I remember like how old was I? I think I was like six or seven when I first watched it. And, like, I'm not going to lie, watching it as a kid, like, uh, that young, right, it scared, <laughs> it scared the absolute shit out of me. I'm not going to lie, it scared the absolute shit out of me, just because it, it's, it's a pretty intense movie. You know, it's a pretty intense movie. Without a doubt, you know. But it's a really good movie, though, just as, like, a, as a character movie, I find. You know, because it's more than just a sci-fi thriller horror drama, right? Like, uh, they develop the characters in that movie in a way where but near the end, you know, you actually uh, are sympathetic towards both characters. And especially, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum's character, Seth Brundle, that he plays as, as in the movie. Right, so basically the David Cronenberg remake kind of put a more uh, horrific body horror visual style to the film, which definitely enhanced uh, its storytelling in a way. But yeah, I remember like watching it as like as a seven year old, and it was just it was insane. There's just so much going on in that movie, man. Right, so so excuse me. So essentially, you know, so essentially the, uh, you know, essentially the remake, you know, takes the story from the original 1958 movie and, uh, it's loosely, it's a remake, but it also takes elements from the original, like the main story, like the teleporter and the fly and like all that other stuff, right? And, uh, just how the movie goes right there's just so many memorable parts of that movie right and also too because like jeff goldblum did like such a good job in that movie you know because he's just like that quirky scientist 
you know, never gets out of the house type guy, and he just fits the role so perfectly, right? So, to make a long story short, in the remake, you know, just like in the original, the guy, uh, he invents uh, a teleporter, right? And, uh... He invites this reporter, who Gina Davis plays as, named Veronica, over to his apartment, where uh, he shows her all the uh, his uh, his teleporters and stuff like that. And then, essentially, you know, the teleporters are designed to make a positive in to make a positive impact on the world, but then it ends up the technology ends up turning against him when. Um, he tries to experiment with it, right? So it goes through, and as he teleports, a fly gets into the into the teleporter with him. And when he teleports through to the other side, he looks fine. But then as the movie progresses, you see that his body starts to deteriorate. You know, he slowly starts transforming into, like, a human-sized insect. And it's just the delivery and, like, how they uh, David Cronenberg directed it and presented the... Uh, the transformation and the the revolving story was just absolutely amazing, right? Uh, that's all I'm really going to say about the movie for now, you know, because like I said, there is spoilers, but I also don't want to, like, I'm not going to spoil the ending or, like, uh, what happens. You know, I'm just basically just saying essentially what it's about and, like, what happens in a way, right? And it just, even to this day, it's still one of those uh, sci-fi movies that I always watch back f over and over and over again just because it's just, uh, it's just a good movie for, to me, right? And it just never, and for me, it never gets old just because it's just the visual effects and just, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard not to, like, not like Jeff Goldblum's performance in that movie either. Like, it's just, it's really difficult. It really is. You know, another great sci-fi film, horror film that, uh, that I really love is, uh, John Carpenter's remake of the, also another 1950s classic known as The Thing from Another World, except the remake is just called The Thing. Now, the John Carpenter remake of The Thing, to me, arguably, not only is <laughs> arguably one of the greatest movies of all time, but it also arguably is um, the greatest remake of all time, right? And the, re and the reason why is just because the, the character development, the story, plus Kurt Russell, you can't beat him, bro. You can't beat Kurt Russell in the beard, man. It's just like, it, it's just too good. It's just really too good. Plus the the way the movie built its plot and the way it presents paranoia and fear and mistrust and how you know it affects in a, a situation of isolation type thing. No, because essentially, spoiler ahead as well. Yeah, essentially, you know. What happens is a group of archaeologists or um, scientists, I'll just say, you know, they're uh, held up in an Antarctic base and they end up finding a space shuttle that's like 300 or 100,000 something years old, essentially. Right. And after they find it, an incident happens where a dog makes its way to the base. And these two Norwegian guys try to kill the dog, but because the Norwegians don't speak English, it creates this sense of um, miscommunication, which results in the Americans thinking that the Norwegians are trying to kill them. So a gunfight happens, the Norwegians die, and the Americans lock the dog up in um, the cage, in a, in a cage on their base. Right, so they go back to the Norwegian base and they find this block of ice that's been busted open. 
and then they discover that there's a alien uh, species that was discovered by the Norwegians that uh, escaped, and essentially is what probably killed all of them. So they do an autopsy report of the body that they found of the creature. And what they don't realize is the dog... And this is the part that got me the most, right? This is the part that like really kicked off things, right? Is the dog is infected because the alien creature in the thing, right? It's uh, it can shape shift into anything, right? But what it does is it'll attack, and it'll fuse its DNA with yours, and it's kind of like a, a disease, right? Like it um, it attacks your cells. Right, and it corrupts you, and essentially you become it. Right, so basically assimilation is what they call it. Assimilation is what they assimilation is what they call it. So it's able to imitate and assimilate, you know, different life forms, and then that's basically where. The plot thickens in the entire movie, right? Because they discover that the dog is infected. And because the dog's infected, it infects all the other dogs, and then they have to kill all the dogs with the flamethrower. And what they don't realize is a human on the base had already been infected. So the entire movie is basically just everyone trying to stay alive, find out who who can they trust, who they can't trust, who's the thing, who's not the thing. And... I won't go any further, but it's it's such a great movie, especially in terms of um, build-up and its story and its atmosphere. It truly is a masterpiece, and John Carpenter is uh, the king for a reason. You know, Another great movie that uh, Carpenter did, I think, was also uh, Halloween. That one was, oh my god, that one was fabulous, bro. That was a really good movie. absolute masterpiece it's an absolute masterpiece <laughs> oh yeah speaking of Arnold and then yeah of course Terminator the original Terminator from 1984 that movie was trippy that movie was really trippy still uh, one of Arnold's best films hands down from the soundtrack to uh, just uh, everything about it it's still to this day one of my favorites ever no, I like uh, the reason why I like really old movies is because like a lot of visual effects are done with CGI now, you know, in a lot of like big high budget movies. And I will admit, to create, you know, a uh, a world like James Cameron did with uh, Avatar, you know, to create a world like that, it's not easy to do it with practical effects you know you try to be as practical as possible but at the end of the day to create something like that you have to rely on cgi you know which is why i kind of give cgi a break i don't really like cgi too much i think a lot of uh and like a lot of movies some directors will use CGI way too much which kind of affects the flow of the movie a bit you know which is uh which is unfortunate that's why i believe like CGI should be used if it's absolutely necessary if it's not necessary, try to be as practical as possible. Because there's, like, so many great moments throughout, like, a lot of big movies that have been done with CGI and stuff like that, which is just astonishing and just amazing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you really have to be passionate about stuff like that, doing, like, practical effects and stuff like that. Like, practical effects are awesome. It's just cool what you can just do with just practical shit like that. Like, it really is. It's amazing, and it's just... And it's honestly so cool. That's why, like, um, I watch like behind the scenes of like uh, some movies like that. 
and you just go behind the scenes and you see like what they do to what they did to accomplish those practical effects it's just it's it's awesome bro it's awesome <laughs> it's absolutely awesome or like what arnold said in t2 excellent another pop culture reference bite me <laughs> i don't kind of i'm, I'm with, i feel like i'm getting a little too carried away with these pop culture references now I remember a friend of mine when he was watching one of my episodes, he uh, even pointed pointed that out to me. He was like, "No, dude, you gotta cut it out with the pop culture references. You know, like uh, you're just making way too many." And I'm just like, "I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I just love pop culture references. Okay, can you blame me? Can you really blame me? You know, that's why I'm just." In a situation like that, you know, I just, uh, you know, sing uh, that song. Why can't we be friends? 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 The color of your skin don't matter to me. As long as we can live in harmony. Why can't we be friends? 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 <laughs> Fuck. Good times, bad time. Good times, bad time. Yeah, sorry, I'm just in a really good mood right now. <laughs> oh, shit. Almost dropped something, shit. It was so close, I could taste it. <laughs> Fuck, though, um kind of digress from like pop culture references and sci-fi and nerdiness <sighs> I'm still pissed that because uh, on September 11th right uh, there was the fight between Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler was supposed to happen their second fight after like 18 years which is just which is just like it just makes me like oh my god like it just makes me like cry because like that's good seeing Nick Diaz come back and fight is honestly a blessing man because I am a huge Nick Diaz fan and I just I just love I, I just love him in general because he's just such an awesome dude man plus he's he's such an entertaining guy to watch as well you know he's such an entertaining guy to watch yeah and he's pretty cool. And same with Nate, too. The Diaz brothers are just, like, phenomenal, bro. A couple of other fights, though, also happened. There's a boxing match between Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz, which that was actually pretty interesting because <laughs> Anderson Silva, I think, uh, knocked him out in 81 seconds, which is brutal. It was just brutal was just a brutal and then what was another one? Oh yeah vander holyfield came back to fight uh fuck what was his name again i keep forgetting his name but yeah he was also uh really he was a really vicious mma fighter but yeah vander he got knocked out and you are knocked down in the last uh 10 seconds of the first round because I was when I was watching the fight you know because like I'm a huge Evander Holyfield fan as well right but damn man like it's just nuts man you know like the guy's like what the guy's like almost 60 and shit and he's like facing a big fucking guy that he did right and then like it's just brutal man 
I heard they're doing like a thing for like uh, a Legends League for boxing or something like that. Which is like a bunch of uh, old Hall of Famers come back to fight in like an exhibition, which I think is pretty cool. Remember the Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson. I got really excited for that. And it, it honestly, it was a good fight. Like as an exhibition, it was a really good exhibition. You know, Mike Tyson looked beautiful. Roy Jones looked fast and quick. You know, it was like, it was cool seeing shit like that. You know, and for me, it was even more cooler because for me, you know, like, uh, I never actually, you know, cut the time I was born and, you know, I didn't ever got to s experience Mike Tyson in his prime. Because I think when, yeah, I, I was only like two or three when uh, Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson. Which, that was also another good fight, but that was a fight that happened way too late. That was a fight that happened way too late. If uh, if Lennox would have fought Tyson in his prime, and Tyson would have fought him in his prime, the fight that we've seen probably would have had a different outcome, I believe. Or maybe Lennox Lewis is just that good no matter what. Lennox Lewis is like, I hope he comes back too, because I, I think there's actually a couple of uh, old school boxers that were going to do the Legends League thing. I know after um, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones had their exhibition, They were wanting to get uh, Vander Holyfield and Mike Tyson to go at it for the third time round, which everyone was like, nope. <laughs> if you ask me, bro, that's going to like ignite all sorts of egos. Like uh, They're just going to be like punching each other, and then Evander's going to be like, oh yeah, that's right. He bit my ear off, and then Mike Tyson's like, oh yeah, you know, I totally forgot how uh, Evander Holyfield tastes, you know. Maybe I'll take a ch chunk out of his other ear, and then just like next, you know, boom, it's just brutality all over the table. Honestly, this is kind of a trippy thought, but I remember I had this really, because uh, I dream, that's right, I dream. Sometimes nightmares, sometimes they're just really good dreams. This was a pretty good good dream, I think, though. It was a really interesting dream, though, for sure. So I was what like so how the dream went is I was walking down the street, right? That I seen on a billboard, it was like Mike Tyson's making a comeback, and at fifty something years old, you know, he was <laughs> he was gonna take he was gonna go he was gonna take a crack at the the heavyweight championship title, right? And I was like, no way. And then I'm like watching the highlights on TV in my dream, right? And then Mike Tyson's literally just like 50-something years old, and he's just knocking everybody out. And I'm just like, dude, what the actual shit, right? Like, it's just crazy. It's so crazy, right? And then, uh, <laughs> right, and then all of a sudden, like, I, I end up in... I end up in some sort of diner or something like that. Like, yeah, some sort of diner. And then as I'm sitting down, right, the man of the hour comes up out of nowhere, and it's Mike Tyson. And I'm just sitting there, like, in my dream. And it was funny, because, like, in my dream, it felt so real, right? And I was like, what the fuck? And Mike Tyson looks at me, he's like, hey, I think you're sitting in my seat, right? And I'm just like, apparently I, I was sitting in his seat, and I was just like sitting there like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'll move. <laughs> and he's like, oh, there's no need to, I'll move you, I'll move for you. And then he gets like his security, he gets, he gets his goons, and they like literally like, 
one tap me off the chair and then i remember like uh it was it was messed up because like something happened and then i was foolish enough to you know to pick a fight with mike tyson in my dreams right and it resulted in him just going like bam and then all of a sudden i woke up and i was like wow whoa and i was like holy shit it's like mike tyson even in your dreams it's a scary guy man Damn, this is good iced tea shit. But yeah, I just couldn't believe it, man. I just, as soon as I woke up, dude, like, I was just like, holy fuck. I hope he doesn't find me in my dreams again. <laughs> that would be some scary scary shit dude could you imagine if something like that happened in real life though you're just sitting there minding your own business and all of a sudden you actually run into a guy like mike tyson right mike tyson is somebody i would even like i would not want to have beef with bro to me mike tyson is like you know the the, the kid on the school bus you know like uh there's always that big kid who sits at the back of the bus sometimes and then you're like you try to sit back there with him but then he's like this is my spot <laughs> yeah that's like like Tyson would totally pull a if you don't move you will be moved and it's just like oh you don't need to move me Mike Tyson I'll move gladly for you <laughs> It's a fucking absolutely scary guy. He's a scary guy. Scary, scary, scary. No, but I'm a huge fan of Mike Tyson, though. Compared to George Foreman, though, I think George Foreman was more menacing than uh, Mike Tyson. Even Mike Tyson was like a mini George Foreman. He was like, if somebody shrunk George Foreman from like six foot eight to like five foot eleven, I think. How actually how big was George Foreman? I think he was like six foot five or like something like that, maybe possibly taller than that. He was a big dude. You know, Mike Tyson wasn't like height wise, he wasn't a big dude, but like he made up for it in muscle mass though, man. And and that neck of his is like what scared me the most, man. Like he just has an uns he just has an unsationable neck, bro. Like it's a, a sensationable neck. Like, you just look at him and, like, it's, like, you just look at his neck, dude. Like, it looks like his neck is just, it's just such a thick neck. It's such a thick neck that, like, if you try to choke the guy out, you'd break your fingers off of his neck muscles. <laughs> just go to choke him out. It'll choke you out, Mike Tyson. And all of a sudden, he just flexes his neck muscles. And then you're, like, your hands surrender. And you're, like, oh! <laughs> You know, and Mike Tyson, you know, he just, like, looks at it and he's like, oh, yeah, that was a nice try, man. And then he just turns around and just clocks you. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my God, just thinking about that shit makes me laugh. Sometimes you just got to let your imagination run wild. Speaking of uh, letting your imagination run wild, this is a little something I would like to dedicate to all of the lunch ladies out there serving the tuna chicken sandwiches. And getting told that your prices suck.
fuck. That sucks, bro. Somebody listening to this is probably like, Jesus Christ, this guy needs to learn some chords. And you're not wrong. I think there's like one or two that I might know. I don't even know how that's supposed to be dedicated to all them lunch ladies, but you know. I remember, speaking of lunch ladies, though, I remember there were uh, a long, long time ago back when I uh, worked in the cafeteria. I think it was like grade 10 or grade 11, because I remember uh, I uh, needed some courses that, or uh, like some classes that I just had to do to kind of like, Cause I needed one class just to kind of do so I can get credits and shit. And they asked if I wanted to work in the kitchen, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I ended up working in the cafeteria for like a year and a half. I'm not going to lie. It was honestly, it was pretty cool. It was honestly not bad. I remember a uh, chef, that's what we'll call him, chef, he was, <laughs> that guy was awesome, that guy was awesome, excuse me, I gotta stop doing that, but actually, I wonder, apparently from what I heard, chef is a chef at a four-star restaurant somewhere in the east, at least from like what I've heard, but the dude was pretty cool. He was a pretty chill guy, except when it came to cooking. But that's because like he took cooking very seriously. And I remember like we had a pretty comp, we had a pretty competent, uh, competent. Yeah, we had a pretty competent uh, and a pretty confident as well team. We did pretty good, I think. We a lot of us did pretty good, and uh, we had a couple of lunch services that went down the shitter, and then we had a couple. We had more that were successful. There was only like maybe like three incidences, maybe I could think of where lunch just went to garbage, and the one was when this uh, <laughs> big dude 
Um, I'm not going to say his actual name, but we'll just call him Hector. <laughs> so let's do uh, Hector, right? That's what we'll call him. He was a pretty big guy, right? And the uh, poor guy had an alcohol problem, so he always came in either drunk or hungover, right? And Chef didn't find this out until, like, you know, after uh, he came clean. And the guy walked in kind of just, like, stumbling around, and the guy was just super hungover, right? So Chef's like, you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And the dude's working uh, near the greaser, right? He's uh, working near the greaser, right? And then what happens is as the guy's working near the greaser, right, he starts sweating really bad. And he starts sweating in the grease. <laughs> like, it was bad. He started sweating in the grease. Right, and after he started sweating in the grease, Chef turned around the corner and he was like, ah, like, no joke, that was his reaction. He was like, oh my god, right? He just turned the grease off and he was like, He's like, get out of here. Go home, dude. You are not well. Go home. Right? And he sent the guy home, and then he shut down the entire kitchen, and we had to sanitize and clean everything. Had to, like, do a... We had to double-check all the food that we had in the fridges. We had to relabel everything. And, yeah, it was... It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Like, I'm not gonna lie. It was It was bad. Right, it was bad, you know, and you know I did feel bad for the guy because, like I said, you know, like he did have an alcohol problem, which kind of contributed to that, right? You no, know, which is unfortunate. And then, like, yeah, after that, like, lunch service got shut down, and, or at least for that day. And then the next day we came in, Chef got serious, and I mean serious, bro. Like, he was not screwing around one bit. He was not screwing around one bit. He was like, okay, everyone needs to double check everything. Right, I don't want nobody sweating in the soup this time. <laughs> I don't want nobody sweating in the grease this time. And it was just like, holy shit. Just absolute brutal. Brutal, brutalness, bro. Just absolute brutalness. And then, uh, the, th the second incident. Now, this one was bad because... A lot of people that weren't at fault for this ended up taking the taking the blame, right? Because there's these two chicks that uh, worked in the or they didn't work, but they uh, they were they're they're one of those people where uh, they felt that uh, because they were more experienced, that automatically meant they were right about everything, even though that was not the case. Right, because uh, Chef was a pretty, uh, Chef was a pretty interesting guy, you know. He was a pretty eco-friendly guy, too. You know, because, like, the dude had his own garden. He also started a, his own composting thing, right? And he'd grow, he'd grow vegetables and bring his vegetables in, and then we'd use his vegetables to cook for the lunch hours. No, I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty cool. Hey man. You know, he asked all of us, hey, uh, do you think you guys can help me with, uh, you know, with my, uh, gardening, right? So, you know, we were helping him plant seeds and shit, right? And he left and he gave, uh, control to the two ladies. They show up wearing fancy dresses, look like they were going to the Buckingham Palace to watch a show. With the queen, right? And they just, like, looked at us, and they're like, 
you know, we don't got time for this, you guys. Like, we need to hurry up and get out of here, because, like, we, we've got places to be. And I don't mean, like, we as in all of us. I meant, like, me and my friend have places to be, and we really don't want to be here. Right, so the one dude was like, well, if you don't want to be here, then leave. And she's like, no, because I have to, we have to watch you guys. And he was like, okay, then... <laughs> Instead of you standing there and complaining how you help us out and, you know, help us get this process done faster. And they're like, well, we can't do that because we're in dresses. And we were, I was just sitting there like, oh, my God, bro. I was like, really? This is so fucking stupid, right? I don't, I was like, I was, I was pretty close to coming unglued and just telling them to go fuck themselves. But my better judgment told me not to. Right, so essentially, right, they keep they keep getting uh pissed off, and then finally the one chick just had enough, and she was like, "Give me that!" And then she just literally yanks the bag of seeds out of this poor girl's hand and just starts dumping it on top of the dirt. You know, anyone who knows how to garden knows you don't just dump seeds on top of the dirt. You know, there's some seeds where you have to properly uh, you know, plant them, right. And I tried telling her that. I was like, you know, like, there's more to it than just throwing seeds on top of the dirt, you know. That's just, you know, that's just a waste of seeds, you know. And she's like, I don't care. I got places to be. And then she just starts fucking sprinkling them like they're uh, candy dust on a ice cream sundae, you know, just sprinkling away. And I was just like, oh, my God, dude. And then, she, then they take off because they know chef's coming. Right, and then they basically throw us under the bus, and Chef is just like, "Who did this?" And I wanted to rat him out, but you know I'm not a snitch when it comes to shit, so I just didn't really say nothing. <laughs> right, and then uh, and then Chef's like, "Well." Like you guys just you guys just wasted over eight hundred dollars worth of seeds, you know. And then I was like, Holy shit and then after I found that out I was like, Okay, I don't give a fuck and I was like those two girls and shit like they and he's like listen, he's like, They're not the ones gardening right now though. Right. And then I was just like, Oh my god, no fucking way. Are you actually gonna be like that? And then yeah, fuck. So basically all of us got in shit. The girls got off Scott clean. Which is really unfortunate. Yeah, it was just brutal. <laughs> it was just brutal. Like, I couldn't believe it, bro. I was actually, I was shocked. Like, I was generally shocked. But that is high school for you, in a nutshell. <sighs> it's high school for you. Ba 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 da 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 and that is how you doggy Is he nuts? No, he's insane. <laughs> Relapse. That was actually, uh, I think, one of my uh, favorite um, Eminem albums. Relapse was a really good album. It 
It was just one of those albums that just screamed life, you know? It's just like, it was a pretty good one. I recommend it. It's definitely, it's an album that's a lot to take in for sure, I find. Just because Eminem is just so all over the place in that album, but it's just awesome. Fifty-one minutes in. Oh shit! These podcasts go by pretty quick. Anyway, I think I'm gonna end this episode right here. I just want to say thank you, everybody, once again for tuning in. You know, I always uh, will appreciate and will continue to appreciate a lot of the support that I've been getting from friends and family, and more importantly, you guys as well. You know, people who uh, take the time to watch this, you know, and listen to this, I really appreciate it, you know, and, um, even though there's some tough shit going on in the world right now, you know, I have faith we'll all band together, you know, and, uh, I wish nothing but, uh, positivity, happiness, love, and peace to every deserving soul out there who desperately needs it, you know, once again, thank you for tuning in, everybody, I hope, uh, everyone has a good night, and remember, You're worth something, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Good night.